Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become a villain i'm as bad as hell and i'm not going to take this anymore this whole thing is insane this whole thing is insane 300 years ago you'd have been burned at the stake what do all men of power want more power this is now the united states of zombie land this whole thing is insane man is evil capable of nothing but destruction Everybody is stuck with the things that they're not proud of. More power. Welcome to the desert of the real. More power. There can be only one. Are you a God-fearing man, Senator? You're such a strange phrase. I've always thought of God as a teacher, as a bringer of light, wisdom, and understanding. You see, I think what you really are afraid of is me. Happy heresies and welcome to the desert of the real. Heresy shouldn't be this much fun, but it is, it just is. Especially with the latest AB Live. Audio version for thee in this eternal now and in this red pill cafeteria. Cat Rose Nelligan materialized at the Virtual Alexandria to help us find that high weirdness, self-knowledge nexus that is the daemon in astrology. Are we hopelessly trapped under fate? Or can our higher self, guardian angel, or spirit guide assist us in attaining cosmic liberation? She granted us an expansion of high-octane gnosis from her book, discovering your personal daemon, and use the life and star charts of Philip K. Dick as a case study. And egregores, we talked a lot about egregores. As a bonus for all subs, I'll provide part of our previous chat with Kat, where she covers the historical and theological origins of the daemon, from ancient Babylon to Greece to Arabia to much more. A hunk a hunk of burning gnosis. So please support in any way you can, and it's not hard to support. For example, you can simply pledge a dollar or three a month on my Patreon. It really helps, and I can use all the help, as we all do. Another way to support, which actually provides you with incredible educational material, is to join the Virtual Alexandria Academy. Start your spiritual journey. Explore the wonders of Gnosticism. If you've ever wanted to learn more about Gnosticism, 
now is the perfect time. My comprehensive online course offers insight and data not found anywhere else on the internet. With more than 20 videos on topics from general and intimate aspects of Gnostic philosophy and theology to its manifestations in modern culture, this is a must-have for those seeking deeper knowledge of this fascinating subject. Dive into a deeper understanding today with the Virtual Alexandria Academy. Don't forget my voiceover availability for any podcast, video game, commercial, audiobook, documentary, or whatever. I'll bring you stellar results with down-to-home professionalism. And don't forget I do have an Amazon wishlist and a fantastic merch store. Other than that, let us to our latest AV Live. But first a clip from one of my favorite depictions of the daemon, Mr. Robot. With this scene having the protagonist and hacker Elliot finding out that his terrorist leader is actually his daemon right after they bring down the financial system. You're not real. You're not real. What? You are? Is any of it real? I mean, look at this. Look at it! A world built on fantasy. Synthetic emotions in the form of pills. Psychological warfare in the form of advertising. Mind-altering chemicals in the form of food. Brainwashing seminars in the form of media. Control isolated bubbles in the form of social networks. Real? You want to talk about reality? We haven't lived in anything remotely close to it since the turn of the century. Turn it off. Forget the batteries. Snacked on a bag of GMOs while we toss the remnants in the ever-expanding dumpster of the human kingdom. Even branded houses, trademarked by corporations built on bipolar numbers, jumping up and down on digital displays, hypnotizing us into the biggest slumber mankind has ever you seen. Have to dig pretty deep, kiddo, before you can find anything where you live in a kingdom of bullshit. Welcome, everybody, and welcome to the Virtual Alexandria. You just saw, for those of you watching on video, you just saw the promo for the Virtual Alexandria Academy, which is doing really well. So join that for a full and exclusive course and Odyssey on Gnosticism. And welcome, everybody, regardless of what you're doing on this Friday uh, my name is Miguel Connor, and I am still your pompous of Gnosis, and we are on the greatest adventure of all, finding our higher selves, which sometimes is called the Daemon. And with us, we are very excited to be joined once again by Cat Rose Nelligan and her Daemon. Hey, Cat, how are you? Hi, Miguel. How's it going? Happy to be Fair. here again. Glad to have you on. Uh, enjoyed our last work. I reread your book and found uh, insights galore. Uh, and in fact, I found a lot of insights on uh, some research that I'm going to quote for my biography on Elvis. Uh, I don't know if you know if I'm writing this, but uh, my daemon basically told me to do it and I'm doing it. I've never even been a fan of Elvis Presley my entire life, could have cared less and suddenly this strange voice tapped me on the shoulder and said, you're going to do this. So 
<laughs> be interesting to look at his astrology chart. Some, somebody I haven't actually studied. Well, that, yeah, I was actually going to ask you, and we can talk about this online, but I was going to say uh, I would love to include this in the book mm -hmm. if you'd want to work it, because, again, I'm working on, like, the archetypes, the egregores. There, Elvis was so soaked in the occult and the supernatural, and it's been completely, like, hidden. Mm -hmm. I even have a chapter where I parallel Elvis and Philip K. Dick because their lives are blow by blow, mm -hmm. like, so eerily connected. In fact, when Philip K. Dick died, in a way, Elvis was there and saved his exegesis. But so, uh, so I would love to see a chart because that would be interesting mm -hmm. to see. Because some if somebody had a dooms and destructions and all these other things, and there was a lot of supernatural, it'd be interesting to see what the stars say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he had blue suede shoes rising for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. And with us too, we've got the Moondog Vance. How are you doing, Vance? And how is your Damon doing? Oh, they're uh, both. I'm I'm fine, and the Damon's fine. We've got new little Damon here. If you hear a little squeak, so that'd be our new little puppy. Oh, mm. can you show us? Um, let's see where he is. Puppy. Oh, yeah, he's right here. Here he comes. Oh boy, you're gonna love this. Yeah, we want to see the pooch. Here he is. <gasps> oh, oh look at that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, awesome. What a great honoring of Foxy. And what did you name him or her? His name his name is Button. Button. Okay. He's got a little button nose. <laughs> he's great. He's great already. Awesome. Well, I'm sure Mr. Button or Buttons isn't potty trained, which is a fun part of the, the Yeah, whole that's new... we're going through that. <laughs> yeah, definitely an honor of Foxy, though, who I love very, very much, as everybody knows. And yeah, yeah. see my profile picture. Well, Foxy's still with us, and so are our demons. Well, awesome. Well, good deal. All right, Buttons. I'm sure you have got some good questions, too. For the audience, uh, you know the drill. We will try to get to your question. Uh, blaming that on my demon. We will try to get to your questions. Uh, super chat them. Write them in all caps. Cat uh, 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 wrote this amazing book, which, again, I reread. Uh, and uh, this book, is it's different because it mixes – Again, ties in the daemon, it ties in astrology, it ties in some other very cool concepts that can really help you and it help you find your higher self as you write cat, your your uh, holy guardian angel, your divine twin, uh, your genius, uh, your soul. There's so many concepts of this other. So, uh, and I would, uh, I guess, start by asking you. Uh, how since your book came out and we talked about it in august august around august of 2021 my god it seems no. like a different era <laughs> have you had any new revelations or new research on the daemon well a good question because the initial response i think my daemon had to getting the book out getting like i was really really pleased with the reception the book got and um, all the things that kind of started coming from the book and great conversations like with you, um, it went very quiet, in my opinion. And I was like, I wonder if it's if it's left me. So there was a period, I don't know the exact dates, but there was definitely a time between getting the book out there to um, maybe even the middle of last year, 2022, where I was just like, oh my God, like, it, has it said everything that it needs to say to me? So that was like something I had to grapple with for a while. Um, so my kind of response to that was, all right, if, if, if we need to be quiet, if I just need to kind of 
get on with what I'm doing. If you've got nothing new to add, um, that's fine too. Um, and it's funny because I was reflecting on stuff recently with, you know, we're going to talk about Philip K. Zick and one of the uh, lines, and this is from, I, I, I misnamed him in an email to you, Miguel, but, um, oh my gosh, what's his name? He, he wrote the, the the Diamond and you've had him on the show. Oh, right? Anthony Peake, yes. Anthony Peake. Yeah, I'm terrible with names too, don't worry. Him. Um, so one of the things that I read was, so Philip K. Dick wrote on his experience with the Diamond, this shows the hauntingly eerie, paradoxical, almost seemingly whimsical or playful nature of enlightenment. It comes to you only when you cease to pursue it, when you totally and finally give up. And that was like, okay, well, I've been doing a lot of pursuing with the the Damon, the Diamond for a while. Maybe I just need to, you know, peace out with it for a bit. Um, I did in that time also start cooking up a, a new project, which is called Your Diamond Diary, which is really just a way of like simplifying everything and, and really um, even stripping out the astrology just to, to kind of emphasize one of my favorite practices, which is writing to the Daimon, which is something that I still return to. Um, so so anyway, all of this is to say the quietness um, of the Daimon was disturbing at first. And since then, just trying to find um, peace with like having a an occasional practice, which for me is basically writing to it. But that's kind of where I'm at. N nothing new, no no major revelations, no beams of pink light. Just I was gonna say yeah. that. So. <laughs> yeah. so. Maybe you should yeah, maybe we should get a toothache and get the process started. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that is true because again, doing the research on Philip K. Dick and Elvis is frustrating because or they were frustrated because they both had uh they both had daemons. Obviously, Philip K. Dick had many that appeared in different ways from his uh Sister Jane to Valis to Zebra to the men. It was, his life was busy, and his mystical experience. But he he was frustrated because those in between times, he'd be like, "No, no, no! Mm -hmm. I want to be like Socrates or, or William Blake, where every day I'm just hanging out with my dem, and you know, we're like best buddies." Uh, and same with Elvis. He had these. Uh, his was his uh, twin brother Jesse, who mm -hmm. also died. Like Philip K. Dick lost Jane when he died, and they were both obsessed about it and this these and it became their daemons it guided their lives through things but there were times when yeah it was quiet or elvis wasn't getting these mystical experiences and unfortunately well philip k dick would lean to drugs uh so did elvis elvis would lean to shooting televisions or riding motorcycles i mean there is frustration too and with this book uh it's like it fell into place but for me what work and what I saw in your book that really made sense is we can call the daemon anything we want, but at the end of the day, I think the best definition is an altered state of mind. It's that shift in consciousness that allows things to come in, allows us to see the big picture, allows us to see our destiny. Mm -hmm. So by continuing trying to alter our states of consciousness, that's how we let things in. And I've been very hard at it with ayahuasca meditation dream therapy all these things and i was expecting you know this is what you're gonna do to save the world uh this is you're gonna get rich i, I wasn't expecting my daemon to go write an elvis book but if you, if you don't obey your daemon the pain of not obeying your daemon is far worse than the pain of uh obeying your daemon right and like and like you said it's sometimes it's like this uh sultry man or woman that'll date and dine you and then just throw you away for a while 
Yeah. 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 And it's, it's interesting. You brought up the, um, the state of mind that you have to be in and how, um, that's a challenge if you're so bogged down. Sometimes if you're really bogged down in doing the, the Daemon's work, um, after it, like you might, it's almost like everything just needs a break. Um, like I personally, I, I struggle with things like meditation. I, I, I try it and I do it and I'm like, oh, I'm not good at it. Um, so just just doing the work of, of preparing yourself for, for a daimonic encounter, that's a lot. And sometimes we, we just can't, we just like, we just need to get on with life. Um, yeah. And the daemon might cast you out and might destroy mm -hmm. you. We're dealing with morality that's beyond us that we can mm -hmm. understand and we are simple avatars or meat expressions of this game i mean as you write or as we mentioned socrates at the end of his life his daemon did not save his ass it didn't mm -hmm. it was like nope i got other things to do and jung is very stern he says the unconscious will destroy you if you don't follow its directives so i know it's hard for us egocentric westerners to believe but again the choice of going against it is uh, as jung would say or it's an empty life it's just is so. yeah. and what do you think about that's the other thing when when you do characters like githe and others they didn't what kind of lives did they leave? I mean, did they, did some of them have better lives because they listened to their daemon or just the fact you're dealing with his mystical powers and you're changing history is going to come at a price? Yeah, I would be pretty confident in saying you don't get, um, okay, well, better is like, maybe from the diamond's perspective, it's a better life. But I think from the, the humble human perspective, <laughs> often um like if, if for myself similarly it's like i've got an idea like a, a pinterest a vision board of what i'd like my life to look like my diamond has absolutely no interest in that it seems <laughs> um so that that's like a harsh reality and going along with um just just that that constant not constant but like frequent reminder that your idea of how you want things to be um yeah the diamond's just like very frequently on, on a different page w what i would say when it comes to better is that feeling of when you, those those brief moments when you do feel like you're in step with the diamond, that your footprints are the same as its footprints, that kind of makes it worth it. Um, even if it's, you know, you're not quite sure, like, you know, you with the Elvis book, you're not quite sure where that, that's headed, but it's like, well, I know that this is, this is exactly what it wants me to do. It's falling into place, as you're saying. So that's worth it. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know if one person's going to read this book. I have no, but I know this is where I need to be. Maybe the the destiny will be somebody will hear it on this show. Or like you said, you'll work with a client cat and that person mm -hmm. will go on to save millions of people. We, mm -hmm. we don't know, but we all have a duty, a sacred duty. And it's very important. Nobody's more or less important. Mm -hmm. But to listen to it's really how we save the universe. So. I can't stress it enough. <laughs> and what about you, Vince? Any uh, remarks or questions on this? I've been so uh, busy looking at the chat, I haven't been able <laughs> to listen to you guys. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. The, the chat. You do have a couple good. of questions already, though. Sure, sure. <laughs> Let's go ahead. We're assuming. Please go and listen to our first interview. We're not going to get into the blow a blow blow by blow on the daemon but uh in our interview cat 
breaks down the history. This figure has existed from time immemorial, affected the, the Greeks, Socrates, the Neoplatonists, obviously the Gnostics, and it's gone through history. She talks about ways you can interact with the daemon, how other cultures see it, the ambiguity, paradoxical nature. But by now, everybody should have a good grasp on it. But check out our first interview. It's very good. But go ahead, Vince. Yeah, Philitantist wanted to know, Cat, um, about why most Grimoths have a spell at the beginning that teaches you how to contact your daemon slash higher genius. I'm going to preface this with, I don't know. So this will be like more of a, my understanding of things is that the diamond was thought to be closer to like the highest possible entity, whatever, whatever that is. Um, and so through contacting it, you're going to be able to, to, to do your work better. It can guide you in the process. Um, so that's kind of like step one. Uh, in a lot of cases. Um, I've also heard that it could be thought of as like the ultimate step, like the final step is is connecting with the diamond. So, but please, I mean, Miguel, you probably know more about this than me. I'm not, I'm not very versed on grimoires. Yeah, well, so, neither am I. <laughs> yeah, but it sounds to me like it totally makes sense. Why yeah, yeah, when you start an alchemical process, a ritual, anything, you need to clear your mind, open your, Anthony Peak, open your channels of communication, humble yourself, get out of your normative ego yeah isn't that advanced just uh yeah it's the game we play yeah you got to clear your mind so you can hear any intuitions and be guided not let your ego run away with you with all that stuff i would think so um oswald wanted to know um if you could describe the relationship between the diamond to uh, to an egregore I'll do my best. I again, Eregos is something that I want to look into a lot more. I know that Mark Stavish has has got a nice little book on Eregos, but um, the way that I've approached it is, I feel like, as I understand the Eregos, it's more, it's not as close to you. It's something that you kind of create. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Whereas the diamond, for me, I kind of follow the myth of uh, this idea that the diamond comes into life with us um, as a kind of guide of our soul uh, towards our destiny to kind of follow this script that we've been given or that we actually chose before we incarnated. Um, so to me, the egregore is more like, um, I, one way to think about it is like the, the diamond's little helpers that, that you get to, that you can you can create. Yeah, that, that sounds right yeah. to me too, yeah. Yeah, and um, uh, it, it is a sink because that's exactly what I was for the Elvis book. I was working on an egregore uh, and the diamond and the archetype because all three get confused yeah. and there are nuances with them, even though throughout history they are interchangeable in a lot of groups like the Golden Dawn. And of course, the term archetype gets so abused that people just throw it out there for, oh, I'm the archetype of this. But uh I actually have I actually have it pulled here, Mark Stavish Egregore. Mm -hmm. So I want to share with you guys that. Let's see, share screen. Where is it? Where art though? It's kind of like chemistry, right? We can't create atoms, but we can make molecules by combining atoms and yeah, so yeah, some like inherent firmware in the universe. <laughs> right, right. The programs, the programs that we can write. 
Yeah, this is the definition that Mark uses. He quotes a lot of because he pulls it together, but he quotes Godwin. And he says, the egregore is an occult concept. There is an occult concept of the egregore, a term derived from the Greek word for watcher. Yes, yes. The Nephilim are mm. egregores in the book of Enoch. Uh, that's what they're called. It is used for an immaterial entity that watches or presides over some earthly affair or collective. The important point is that an egregore is augmented by human belief, ritual, and especially by sacrifice. Yes, like you said, Kat, we have to give it our energy through killing things, through electromagnetic waves in our brain, through belief. Uh, you guys think of American gods, Neil Gaiman, that, that we create the gods and they become semi-independent. If, if it is sufficiently nourished by such energies, the egregore can take on a life of its own and appear to be an independent personal divinity with a limited power on behalf of its devotees and an unlimited appetite for further devotion. It is then believed to be an immaterial god or goddess, an angel or a diamond. Now, uh, obviously, there are subtleties in this, and then Mark goes to talk about the older an egregore gets, the more power it will be, and it can turn on its congregation, on its people. And uh, it goes for many examples. I mean, a, a tulpa is a mini egregore. We give this, our mind power and stress give it powers. Like you could say the Demiurge is Sophia's tulpa, I guess. But um, uh, a thought form, if you would. And then, of course, uh, corporations create egregores, churches, uh, alcoholics, anonymous groups create these egregores to protect us from the urge of drinking and so of course the the most famous example might be of course the nazi party where the beliefs and people the people created this power and the 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 magic the astrology the neo the paganism of the german people created this egregore and then this egregore sometimes uses an individual as a vessel like adolf hitler and then well, with the Nazi party, it was like magic what they did. I mean, they just took over Germany, took over Europe and so forth. And it just sort of took a mind of their own. And uh, yeah, sorry, I'm going on a tangent here because I've been studying this this morning. So Apple is another example. It's got like almost a mystical quality. Uh, Coca-Cola and McDonald's is the great egregores because somehow they created this charm over our heads that sells us poison but we believe it's part of american culture so that's magic just about every motion picture that we've seen uh, here in in our house at least has a coca-cola hiding somewhere in it it's everywhere <laughs> you know it's just it's kind of scary it's a sigil yeah it's not a it's symbols like stavishes are sigils whether it's the McDonald arches or the swastika, and it has power. We give it its power, oh, and yeah. the person takes our power. So we Do worship the <laughs> so we Go worship ahead, the altar of Pepsi in our household. Oh, <laughs> oh different, different gods, gods, different gods <laughs> over here. Um, so th this egregore stuff has really got me thinking because I saw one question in the chat was, um, "How did she make contact with the diamond?" Um, yes. first of all, I'd say it made contact with me, but, but here's the thing, part of my understanding of it was my experience of having a, I, I, I've really extreme anxiety. And one of the kind of tools for working with this is 
to try and um, like externalize it, make it into a form, an egregore, if you will. And I had done this. I'd done this with this little dragon. And um, I'm pretty sure I tell the story in the book, but maybe I elaborate on it uh, elsewhere. But this idea that this dragon was kind of with me for, for about a year when I was traveling. And it kind of changed and transmuted over that time. It was also when I was learning more about the daimon. So I wonder if our kind of creation of the egregore, I mean, this is exactly what Stavish seems to be saying, is we almost beckon the daimon in through our engagement with the egregore. Um, like for me, I, I believe that daimon was always there. I didn't create it. It was there before me or at least simultaneously with me. Um, yeah. but working with this image of the dragon and I think I'm, I'm quite like a visual person. So that, that felt like a way to, to let it in, in a way that I could start kind of feeling it as a real, real force in my life. No, it makes sense. And yeah, the anxiety think is interesting, Kat, because I've always suffered from insane anxiety. And of course, again, researching Philip K. Dick and Elvis, both were born like anxious twitching you know elvis's moves were more about nerves than they were about him trying to be like macho or impressed you know he just couldn't help it he was always <laughs> so i wonder if those maybe we're born with our channels and the diamond these energies are just hitting us yeah. so that because anxiety is a form of communication something's trying to get through and until like you can learn to figure out how to create that sigil or that framework mm -hmm. to all these energies to come and then the, it probably helped your anxiety, didn't it? It did. And, and then, you know, it has a life of its own, but it's easier to work with then when it's not this, for me, like this kind of like thing that felt like it had a power over me. I still believe it has power over me, but I also feel like it has my best interests at heart. Whereas, um, I'm not sure about anxiety. That feeling of anxiety is generally doesn't doesn't feel great, does it? So no, oh my God, no. So I used to tell people I'd rather be really depressed than anxious because at least I can function with depression <laughs> with anxiety. It's like I, I can't even get out of the house. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, I worked on those channels and uh, it's gotten a lot better. So yeah, Miguel, can we do one more question sure. or comment? Sure. We have a super chat. And the super chat was, Akal fan wants to know what you think about the fact that his birthday is the same as David Bowie's birthday. Maybe you can <laughs> talk about birthdays and, you know, natal astrology and so forth and how that works. Yeah. I mean, there will be, if, if that's the case, then yeah, you'll have a lot of things in common with Bowie's chart. And the way I understand it working is when we get We've we've got our natal chart, our birth chart, and that has a certain. Um, you could think of it as a blueprint. Um, it's not going to be as specific as like this is what your eye color is or something like that. But there are going to be certain traits that like all people with Aries as a sun sign share and so on. Um, but then you're looking at different uh, the planets in the sky, transiting planets, how they interact effectively. If you were to sort of overlay any given planetary picture in the sky right now with your own natal chart certain times in your life like when jupiter returns to your natal jupiter every 12 years or so uh that's going to line up and so people with the same birth charts they, they will have like a similar kind of trajectory like oh that was when that's when they had their, their saturn return or like i said the jupiter return uh so certain points in their life you will expect certain kinds of activity the other big thing to know is that um, 
the birth time matters. So unless you were born like in exactly the same place at exactly the same time, it's very probably not going to be like you don't know, you're not guaranteed to be the the superstar that that you <laughs> are. But maybe Bowie. you are. Maybe you managed it some other way. I don't know. Elvis is born the same day as Bowie. He was born on January eighth. Oh, so he said Elvis. I oh I didn't no, know. He was, no, 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 no. He, Nate wrote Elvis is born the same day as Bowie. I know Elvis oh, was born January eighth. Yeah, I thought uh, I thought he was uh, saying that he was born the same day. That's as what Bowie. I thought. Sorry, yeah. That's what yeah. I thought too. Oh well. Yeah. Well. So lucky. Everybody well, was born. Everybody's birthday. born. <laughs> <laughs> we are all part of one mothership diamond. Yes. All dogs so, go to heaven. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, while we're talking about astrology, you want to take a look at Philip K. Dick's chart, Cat, or what yes. would you like to do? No, I think that's a great idea. Um, okay, so share screen. Uh, why don't I pull up? I have one? it too, if you oh, want. Oh, you do. You're, yeah. Let's um. Whatever works for you. Yeah. The problem um, with Streamyard is share screen gets a little window. weird when you only have I one screen. Is it sharing? Oh yeah, no. I see it. I love okay, it. there you go. Now you are the demi. Oh, sweet, yeah. There we go. Um, so that that's Philip K. Dick's natal chart. So the, this is where the planets were the moment he was born. Um, and I can talk about individual um, little symbols here if you're not too familiar. One thing that really stands out in his his chart straight away is that he has Uranus conjunct the ascendant, and um, the ascendant is like this this point in the sky. It was it's effectively marking out pretty much where the horizon was when we, when we were born. Um, so to have the planet Uranus, which is it, it, Uranus is kind of badly named, really. It, it's more it would be a better name for Uranus is Prometheus, kind of like that that character who steals fire from the gods. Um, there is something quite radical and inventive and innovative and rebellious about the planet Uranus. So having that conjunct the ascendant, um, it's just it's just a very very powerful statement to have that. Um, the other thing I'd say about Uranus is you frequently see it in the charts of people who have, um, let's say, Uranus will be a loud player, like whether it's conjunct a certain planet or a point like this, and you'll see it in the charts of people who have kind of interesting conditions like to do with their central nervous system. Epile epilepsy is a common one with Uranus and like Mercury or Uranus and the moon, stuff like that. And I'm not saying that's going to be the case for everyone. Other factors will be at play. But when I see Uranus in a very, very loud position like it is here, you could definitely look into things. You know, I know that, again, Peak, um, it, it really has explored a lot of people. Is it prefrontal epilepsy? There's a, there's a name for yeah, it. Yeah, something, something scientific. And I, I would love to like get a bunch of people's charts with that and see um, correlations with Uranus because I think there could be something interesting there. Mm -hmm. um, so. The other thing that's really interesting about his chart is Mercury's position being very, very close to the sun. Um, and it's thought that Mercury is kind of... Uh, the, the, the term is in detriment, but really you could think about it as just being really, really far away from where it is most naturally at home in Gemini. So uh, while that would normally be something that could um, make things more difficult when it comes to communication, he's actually got it conjunct the sun, um, only just, 
But what effectively that is doing is that it's like empowering this mercurial force in him. And Mercury relates to communication, to writing. And I'm trying to keep it like relatively simple. I'm sure there are plenty of people really versed in astrology here. But just to say like two really radical things in his chart is this really um, powerful, loud Mercury um, in the the place where we associate with uh, sharing wisdom and knowledge and, and even having like you know downloads, you could say, and this this really interesting Uranus, which I think is speaking to um, uh, some of the the conditions that he he could have been experiencing, and the kind of like the flashes, these like breakthrough yeah. flashes. Which, by the way, I I haven't experienced with my diamond. My diamond experiences are pretty low key, compared, especially compared to Philip K. Dick's. <laughs> Makes sense. Any any quick questions about that, or sh should I? I don't know about the audience. Again, uh, I, I'm just learning, for example, that I just learned about what my rising sign is. I'm starting to work from astrology. I'm kind of ignorant. I, I feel like that uh, Simpsons Ralph meme. I do astrology. So I'm, I don't know, maybe Vance or somebody in the chat who knows more. I used to years ago, but um, I've kind of lost track of it all. I think I have a Pisces rising, as I recall. Mine is Virgo. So, something else. So what I was trying to do is I was following a lot of the, um, I'll, can I, how do I stop sharing for a second? Um, there, there we go. go. Uh, I'm just going to pull up some of my notes because some of the things that I was looking at were the different um, time periods in Dick's life that, that Peak brings out in particular. I know he's got like a, bio um, a biography about Philip K. Dick. So some of the big ones are um, 1951, 1952, I, I don't think they know the exact date, but this is when Philip K. Dick saw a doppelganger of himself at the foot of his bed looking back at him. And I'm, I won't bother sharing the chart, but I'll just explain. There are a few interesting things. Um, the planet Jupiter, which is the planet, I, I guess you could say it's, it's definitely like a good bringer. Um, but if you think about like Zeus in the skies, it's a very powerful planet and um, you could associate it with wisdom, but not the kind of book smarts. Mercury is a planet more of like information. Jupiter is more like, you know, divine insights and um, like faith. So Jupiter entered his 12th house and the 12th house is really, really important in astrology um, in terms of diamond stuff. This is something mm -hmm. I go into in the book where um, the ancients had a, a system of uh, different names for the, the houses, these, these 12 divisions of, of the sky. Um, and the 12th house was called the house of evil diamond. Uh, and I've, I've had to like, you know, wrap my head around that a bit and people are going to have different approaches to this. But one way I see it is it can often reflect difficult experience, like subjectively difficult experiences, um, but that are very significant in our relationship with the diamond. So it might be somebody, you know, the classic dark night of the soul, that's a 12th house experience. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as we know, those can also be the, the moments before this this massive breakthrough or you know step so anyway jupiter entered his 12th house good planet um bringer of knowledge entered his 12th house when he had that doppelganger experience um and the same was true when he sorry let me make sure when i think he had that visitation yeah so this is we're flipping forward to uh february march 1974 he has that date two three seven four this is like right, this kind of, of daimonic time period again jupiter enters his 12th house um and over a period of days so march 16th 18th and 20th 
Um, you also get Mercury going into his 12th house, almost uh, like solidifying the knowledge. If, again, if Mercury is this communicator, um, there are other things. I, I don't know, know how like geeky or boring I, I'm going to going to get with oh, this. But all is to say, I can see these like patterns. Yeah. Um, there's also, if anyone wants to look into the progressed moon or the progressed lunation cycle, um, this is something that takes about 29 years. It's almost like you know that the, the moon takes about 29 and a half days to complete its cycle. Um, it does the same thing in our natal chart and it takes 29 and a half years. It's, it's just a technique. Um, every time he gets to this dark moon phase, so just before the moon is new, and you could look into the symbolism of dark moons, effectively, it's the moment where the moon is like, you know, going to die. Uh, and it can, I, I see it a lot in charts, people born under a dark moon, they often are the ones who have a closer relationship to to the to the hidden world to the invisible um and who have you know kind of philip k dicky experiences um <laughs> well he didn't have it in his birth chart when his progressed moon got to this phase again you see some of these these experiences and um again that that march 1974 he had a the progressed dark moon and i think um is that yeah, and it was the same with that doppelganger experience as well. So just some like weird correlations that are like yeah, different astrological cool. techniques, but saying the same thing, which is, hey, you're likely to have like, I can see why the, the diamond window was opened, let's say. Wow, wow. So we could do our charts and know when to lean into it when it's the best time for it to. Yeah, and it's always easier in, in like retrospect. I, I will like yeah, admit that because there are so many variables in astrology. And while I, I'm like a, you know, you can't convince me that astrology isn't real. I will fully admit to the skeptics that it can be hard to do it in um, like forward looking, much easier in retrospect. It's like weather forecasting. Yeah. <laughs> it's way more, more accurate, accurate than weather. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, to slam it. One, one group we can slam with impunity and nobody will say anything. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as. As we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. <laughs> no, that is fascinating. The, the astrology, I mean, I need to learn. I don't know if Phil was into astrology. I don't think he was. Uh, Elvis was, he, he did not like astrology. He was obsessed with numerology, Kabbalah. I Ching, there's another mm -hmm. connection of Elvis and Philip K. Dick. They were both into the I Ching. Uh, mm -hmm. But again, Elvis, most of what we know about Elvis is secret because he just wouldn't tell anybody. And mm -hmm. somebody was writing about him shooting a television, which he used to do when he didn't like a show. But yeah, for Robert Goulet. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I've shot a few TVs myself for him. <laughs> Robert Goulet. Uh, yeah, with me, it's a Big Bang Theory. But, uh, also, the book I'm writing, how he was a, a magician. He was like a natural mystic, like Philip K. Dick. And like one example, which this reminded me, he was with his girlfriend and he came into this, you know, very expensive $40,000 car. He's going to show off. He's, you know, he's got his Elvis and the car wouldn't start. 
So he gets pissed off, he gets out, and he shoots the car five times in the engine, gets in, and the car turns on. That was the mm -hmm. kind of stuff that would happen to him. So I don't know why it made me laugh, the shooting things. But, uh... I'm looking, sorry, I'm, I'm looking at Elvis's chart now just to see if I can um, see anything interesting. Interestingly, Uranus ha did have quite an interesting place in his chart. It was squaring these two significant points one being the lot of sorry op opposing the lot of fortune mm -hmm. and squaring the lot of diamond so there is actually a thing in astrology called the lot of diamond um oh, which is again that? is is like a it's a strange technique a lot of people who are just getting into astrology the first thing you learn is your um your sun sign that's you know your star sign uh, your moon sign and your ascendant and those three the, the big three kind of speak to a lot in, in astrology and in, in india's indian astrology or vedic astrology i think it's called the um uh sudarshana somebody correct me on that anyway these two lots the lot of fortune and lot of diamond bring these three points together and create a fourth point yeah. um and this is a big theme in my book which is the diamond being interchangeable with destiny this idea of um not necessarily what you are but what you become your your fortune is what you are the kind of meal you got served up when you came into this world your destiny is what you do with it and that's just like really foundational in my approach to this and they actually had two lots that describe these two concepts which again i'm still kind of getting my head around i'm still trying to uh, work with this and do as many charts as i can to say more about them but uh, one thing i'd say about elvis is that he had uranus in a really key places very very precisely aspecting those Oh, um, wow. So that's kind of interesting. Wow. Yeah, yeah. A rabbit hole we should further go yeah, so, down into. <laughs> just get geeky out. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, that's, that's the fun part. Yeah. And uh, any other questions, Vans? I see people have questions and some. Uh, everybody's got some good comments. Let's see. Oh, yeah. What do you think about synchronicities and luck? Sophie Bliss wants to know. Well, the. They're different, I guess. That that to begin with, um, I I almost feel like a synchronicity is um, it's the diamond version of luck. So if luck is like you know dumb luck, that's kind of of the realm of fortune, fortuna, um, which is just hey, you uh, a classic analogy that's given with astrology is um, the kind of luck that you have. When somebody owes you money and you go down to the town and, and you find the person and they pay you back the money. That's good like, Good luck, but you didn't do anything to create that luck. Um, whereas the synchronicities is like, this is, oh, it was destiny that I met this person because then we got engaged and we're married and it was always meant to be. So I don't know. It's just, it's almost like a feeling tone. I can't really, I personally can't uh, give you. Um, yeah, it's a hard a question, good, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, but it's interesting. It gets you thinking about what do we what do we mean by these? A lot of yeah. time, I think people think synchronicities, like numbers on the clock and so forth, has to do with something communicating with you. Like you say, the diamond mm -hmm. might be trying to talk to you through and get your attention. Whereas mm -hmm. luck, that's more kind of you know happenstance, so so to speak, in my mind. And 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 this is it. And this is what I keep coming back to in the book, which is. There is fortune and there is diamond and yeah. these two things kind of they're always interplaying and i also think it's kind of down to us where we find diamond in fortune mm. um because some someone else my mom would look at 11 11 and think nothing of it would not would not hear the communication or look for it um 
Whereas, you know, I, I feel like a lot of us here, we might we might have trained ourselves to, to look for that. Um, in that way, it's a kind of a choice, maybe. Yeah. Describing more choice than we probably have to these things, but. Um, <laughs> It's a narrative, yeah. And like you said, uh, there's a lot of overlap. Like when we talk about, like that quote, an egregore can be a diamond, a diamond can be a god, a diamond can be your inner self or into it. There's archetypes, they all sort of overlap and I don't worry too much about them. Uh, at the end of the day, as we talked about in the beginning, it's the experience and what alters your state of your mind, what expands your consciousness to bring in because the experience is going to be uh, sublime. And again, the diamonds orders can be very dry, uh, but it's all worth it. Yeah. yeah. Um, you want another one, Miguel? We got, sure. um, uh, here's a quick one. Um, Kat, what would you recommend for a book to learn astrology? Like, I guess a beginning book for evil. Fandango. I will caveat this by saying books are a terrible way to learn astrology. In my opinion, it's the one thing I love books, but, um, you can only do so much with them with astrology and uh one like really accessible one i think it's by caroline casey has one that's out at the moment which is quite good i can't quite remember the name of it but um wait why don't i just real quick, quick look at it what i recommend doing is just i mean the astrology podcast it's just called the astrology podcast is a really good one if you like listening to information um but also like just youtube there is so much stuff nightlight astrology is um that's my teacher who i took his courses and for me it's the courses where you really kind of get stuck in so finding a good teacher and one that you just resonate with and you're probably going to know that if they have a podcast or a youtube channel that you can watch whereas with a book it's like sometimes i think who's written this book is it even the astrologer like yeah <laughs> and i'm and there are there are wonderful um like older books as well um but the the kind of astrology that I recommend starting with is um, you could either go to the check out the Jyotish or the Vedic astrology, um, or you can pick the sort of Western tropical astrology, which in, in my humble opinion, you want to start at the beginning and you want to check out Chris Brennan's book on Hellenistic astrology and really like see, see what the, um, the philosophy behind these, these guys who, who uh, set down the original rules was and then after that 20th century astrology is much more it was it was kind of like re restarted in the early 20th century um mm. and i would take a lot of that with a pinch of salt it was kind of blended with psychological astrology also just like kind of pop psychology so that um people didn't get in trouble for fortune telling so if you look into this guy alan leo he i think kind of came up with this idea of psychological astrology um, because it meant that he didn't get kind of persecuted for telling fortunes. Um, sorry, that wasn't a great answer, but if you find Caroline Casey's book. No, yeah, that's your answer. Yeah, um, no silver bullet. Yeah. Uh, how about karmic astrology? Have you ever heard of that? Yeah, and again, I think I think this is sort of born out of the 20th century, early 20th century, like interest in East meets, meets West and ah. trying to make sense of, uh, what people were learning about discovering in the East and like, oh my God, there's something called karma. Like, how cool is that? Hey, what if, what if astrology could, and it's like, that's the, the ancients didn't talk about karma in, in the West. They would have been talking about fate, fortune and diamond. Um, but yeah, yeah it's, it's interesting for sure. 
Um, Mitch, Michaelis, Michaelis, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, wanted to know if you're familiar with Anthony Peake's theory about the daemon being the higher self. Yeah, we just talked about it. Yeah. She sighed something. Yes. I missed it. I mean, yeah, and and but I would also say, uh, yeah, definitely just like I, I, I need to read more of Peak stuff because I really, really rate um, his work on, on the diamond. And um, yeah, that would just be another interchangeable word for me. I'm, I'm I like the theory. <laughs> All um, one thing, yeah. I mean, I, I, swear, I, I almost have a question. I'm just kind of curious because we've mentioned the word a couple of times. Um, this idea, so you said that Elvis had this kind of twin daimon. It was, was it his dead brother or? Yeah, his brother died when he was born. And there's a lot of supernatural weird stuff that happened, which I'll explain. But, and uh, same with Philip K. Dick, his twin died when he was yeah. born. And uh, Dick always said it was the greatest event. Everything he did was trying to figure that out. And there, there was uh, psychologically twinless twins. There's a pattern psychologically. There's guilt. They're driven. They're, they have problems with women, but mostly because of their moms. Because uh, like Elvis's mom, she became very protective to the point it was like an Oedipus relationship. It was freaky. Philip K. Dick blamed his mom for the death of his sister, so he hated his mom, which, of course, all transferred towards women relationships. Uh, what did Philip K. Dick said when they asked him, well, what about your twin? He said, well, I guess I got all the milk. There was, there's this pain mm. that they have, and, and they always act like there's something missing. They're, they have part of them, they're almost like crippled, but they're driven. So it was uh, both Philip K. Dick and Elvis made their twins, their dead twins, their diamonds. They would talk to them. They would dedicate everything to them. They, they would appear in dreams. So it's very freaky when this happens, uh, but uh, it was important. The sad part is that Philip K. Dick, coming from a progressive family and living in California, he could write about it, talk to his therapist, everything else. Elvis in Mississippi in the 30s, he had nobody to talk to. His mom didn't want to talk about it very much. He'd say, oh, well, now he's an angel, or they, she didn't want to visit his grave. So that really crushed Elvis because he never had anybody to talk about it until later in his life, which, and he was always afraid because he, he knew he was, by the time he was famous, he was surrounded by sharks. So he had, he was very weird about who he would talk to about his twin and he would be, leave it really coded. So it's mm -hmm. interesting that, yeah, the diamond sometimes takes the form of um, our dead siblings. William Blake, William Blake's dead brother, didn't die as a twin, but died when he was young, would come and communicate ideas to William Blake about what to do and so forth. So hope I'm not going in a tangent. No, that, that's so interesting. And it's, it's been a recent um, idea of mine, this, this idea of the diamond, even if you didn't have a, a, a twin um, sibling that it can show itself at least to begin with, or at some point as, a, as your double. And I, I you know, I, I, I've heard about all these different stories of doubles, um, but I hadn't really kind of connected it all that, that it was such a like, okay, that that's, that's a diamond thing. So the one that I go into in the book is the Percy Shelley 
mm-hmm. where where he sees his his double. I think it's a week before he died, and that line, um, "How long do you expect to be happy?" Which just like I think we talked about it the first time, but it always freaks me out. Um, yeah. And at the moment, I'm reading um, just a compilation of Stephen King's short stories, and one of the stories it, it says something like, "A lot of people see um, ah that they they'll see themselves." Uh, when a ghost shows up, he's calling them ghosts, but uh, it shows up as themselves before the ghost reveals its own face. Uh, I was like, oh, that's so interesting. What if diamonds do that? What if that's like a way in for the diamond? In the same way that we're talking about egregores, it, it, it might need a, a way in, an image that it takes for us to kind of connect with it. And I, I don't know, I, I was just thinking about that that phenomenon of seeing um, your double Um yeah, it's uh, it, yeah, it's freaky. I'm always terrified because again, I think of that story. You see, your doppelganger means you're going to die, and yeah. that St- Stephen King did write a novel, and it is true where they had twins, and one of the twins consumed the other twin, but this twin became his evil, uh, split personality. And in fact, uh, we had James True he used to talk in ancient times. They would, uh, in certain periods in Egypt, they would actually bury the placenta because they thought mm-hmm. it was the twin that didn't make it. So we're going to bury the placenta, which is pretty, I mean, this is all pretty mm-hmm. freaky. We all got a twin out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, it's mm-hmm. like, eat the placenta, you dumb Egyptians. We should be eating the placenta in our modern times. Babies and women would be a lot healthier. But yeah, this is all pretty freaky. I love it. <laughs> we got into placenta eating very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we went for- <laughs> I've had polenta. <laughs> <laughs> they, they go great together. <laughs> a nice glass of Chianti Vance. <laughs> yeah, the side dish of uh, polenta. <laughs> yeah, this. Um, I wanted to look at your uh, presentation you shared. Would you mind if we just went by it? I, I yes, sure okay. thing. It's. Yeah, one sec. Because um, this uh, clarifies a lot of your ideas uh, too. And um, yes, what did you use? It's really beautiful. Just, um, just a uh, Canva, which ah, of course, Canva. Sorry, to... window. Uh, this is the one. Okay, I'll add it to the stream. And yes, so you see that is nice. That's, see the twins again. Ah, uh, of course. <laughs> um, so yeah, this is a presentation I've given a few times. Just starting off with the history of the personal diamond. I mean, however you want to go through it. Um, like I said, lots of different names for it. Um, I don't know how much w- we've covered before. Well, the Agatha's diamond obviously was very important for the ancient. Uh... Greeks, Neoplatonists, that was a sort of personal diamond of the household, right? Yeah, and it was all very much like good luck, a good bringer, um, which, you know, yeah, it, it, it was still it still wasn't super personal. And I, the way I understood it is that it, it got very personal with Socrates. Because um, up until this point, you could see the word diamond written in, in all kinds of uh, contexts. Uh, one being like a state of a kind of a state that can take hold of us, you know, like um, being possessed by by a diamond, which just like any kind of spirit that that comes up in a lot of different cultures, this idea of being possessed by a spirit. 
Um, but it wasn't necessarily like your Jiminy Cricket on your shoulder. <laughs> um, so this idea with uh, Socrates having a diamond that only told him what not to do, never what to do, which I think is kind of frustrating, I think, for a lot of us, because mostly when I'm <laughs> trying to contact with my diamond, it's like, what should I do next? And right. yeah, I think a lot of us struggle with getting clear answers on that. But frequently, we'll, it might be easier, let's say, to get a, to get a no than to get a what to do. Um, and the myth of Ur, I think we've, might have, I, I kind of mentioned this earlier, this idea that before we were born, we had this, um, this 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 meeting where where we were given a a script a, a life to follow and a diamond to get us to make sure that we followed that life. Um, I just think great James Hillman. Yeah, yeah. Um, you talk about the Damon and destiny. Yeah, yeah, and I mean part of this was this was re um, reaffirmed when I was reading a copy of the myth of Ur and Plato's Republic and the book that I had it it doesn't say daimon it says where daimon is it says destiny so it, it completely swaps out the word daimon for destiny and that kind of confirmed this idea that it's it's the same thing um, and this is a really nice quote from a psychologist Alexander Lowen who says destiny or daimon is related to the word destination it refers to what we become whereas fate or fortune describes what one is um, gives the example of the oracle at Delphi, did not foretell the destiny of Oedipus, which was to vanish from the earth and find an abode with the gods. He pro prophesied his fate, which was that he would kill his father and marry his mother. So it's like, the fate is like, there's just the stuff that happens. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. There's more stuff where, you know, that that phrase, that Heraclitus phrase, diamond destiny, it, it's, it's all interchangeable. Um, and Taiki is the goddess of fortune, right? So the fortune yes. we can make. And and something that's kind of coming to my head now, which is, you know, well, do we have a do we have a personal fortune? Is there a fortune entity? Um, and I guess there are different different ways you could see that. Um, I I almost see fortune as more that script that we're given. I just haven't put a face to it, like I have with the diamond. Uh, that that script, that life. Um. <laughs> Whereas, like, Diamond is kind of more like, how how do we choose to live that life? It, it, it's it's really hard. It's hard to put it into words because it's it's so much of a feeling thing. Anyway, what I would say is, in terms of what these things just classically symbolize, um, you can see them echoed in the astrological um, symbolism of the sun and the moon. Mm -hmm. um, so Diamond being very much a solar character. I've just got the same words here. Mind, reputation, character, career, intellect conscious it's abstract it's choice intentionality it's will those are all things that we associate with the sun whereas the moon or tk or taiki we're thinking about body prosperity health pleasure instinct the unconscious what's physical it's chance it's sufferings of the soul companionship um there are four different techniques that i have seen like traces of the diamond in um so the places that's not really a technique that's like the foundation of the, the astrological charts but the, the the other ones the lots um like i mentioned earlier that lot of fortune and lot of diamond um they have that element in them zodiacal releasing is a, an old technique where you're uh, effectively breaking down the life into different chapters 
And um, you could say that depending on how you how you kind of cast that, because you're using the lots in that technique. Um, one way of doing it is to look at this is the fortune that befalls me. And another way of doing it is to say, this is kind of what I did with that fortune. It, it's more related to kind of career and um, like creativity, what you do with the, the lot you get. Um, and then the chart ruler, and that's that's the one that I'm sure we we might have spoken about before, but it's a, it's a complicated uh, approach and there are lots of different approaches to it. But the idea is that you find the strongest planet in your chart and that planet is the one that you would um, propitiate that that is speaking most closely to your diamond to, mm. to contact your diamond. So Makes because, sense. Uh, um, this, sorry, I'll, I'll pause in a sec, but this is an example of the, the different names that the different houses have. So there are 12 houses or life areas that the chart gets broken up into and they had different names. Um, these two houses five and six were known as the houses of good and bad fortune and opposite directly opposite are the houses of good spirit or good diamond and bad spirit or bad diamond. Um, and it, it's, it's really cool. Like the whole, this is where like, I just, oh, I love astrology so much because <laughs> the system itself is it, it's all, um, intertwined. So with these houses, there were planets that took their joy or rejoiced or um, were most at home in ha these certain houses, just like they are most at home in certain zodiac signs. Um, but the planets you find, you've got the nighttime planets down here. So we've got the moon who rejoices in the third house, the house of goddess, Venus rejoicing in the fifth, Mars in the sixth. Venus is a good bringing planet, a, benef a benefic. Mars is a bad bringing planet, a malefic. Um, so it makes sense that they would go in those houses. But what's crazy about that is that, to me anyway, is that there these houses are all like under the horizon. You know, if you remember, I mentioned earlier that that ascendant is kind of thought to be um, where the horizon line is. Right. So everything up here is above the horizon. Everything down here is below. So the planets of the night also of fortune like are at home in that kind of half of the chart, whereas the planets in the top half of the chart are all diamond related because oh. they're uh they're they're on the sun's team effectively the sect of the sun does that make sense so the diamond planets are above the horizon because they're solar in nature mm -hmm. no makes sense um yeah so i'll stop sharing for a sec before i lose everyone um, no this is oh uh, well, yeah i wanted to see if we could just do one more person though i think you oh, had yeah. Uh, you can pick your celebrity. Oh, yes. Again, I, let's, let's do that. Yeah, and uh, for the audience, uh, Kat does a lot of celebrities in her book. Donald uh, Trump. <laughs> Damon. <laughs> um, he's he's going to be in the big house. Speaking <laughs> of houses. <laughs> um, for me, it's got to be Joni Mitchell. And this works because we were right. just talking about those sure. houses of good diamond, bad diamond. So Joni Mitchell had both Mars and Saturn in her hey, 12th house. Let me put you, okay. Oh, now sorry. you're there. I got you there. Now everybody can see. Oh, and first for the audience, uh, she does in her book a lot of celebrities and famous people, including Kurt Cobain, H.P. Lovecraft. So it's uh, it's fun. It's a lot of... <laughs> a good range, hopefully. Yeah, very um, good range. 
so with Joni, we're looking at that 12th house again, this house of, in theory, bad diamond or bad spirit. So she had the um, Mars and Saturn, both the malefics in this place. Um, but what's interesting is that Mars rules her fifth house of not just good fortune, but creativity and children. So um, starting with the creativity piece, um, Mitchell, for a time when she was a kid, had polio and had to spend a lot of time in bed. Um, she was bed bound for a while, lost a lot of strength and um, developed this unusual guitar tuning due to the effects of the illness, so I've been told. So in this case, you could say that that period of um, isolation from the world, that's a 12th house experience. Um, it, it would also have been, I'm sure, a time of difficulty. The 12th house spoke to illnesses of all kinds. Um, so she had this kind of difficult Mars karma or fate, but it was inextricably linked to this, this Mercury place. And actually, you've actually got mutual reception where Mars is in Mercury sign and Mercury is in Mars's sign. Anyway, so those two places were linked. And you could say that her creativity, um, that kind of outlet was was linked to the that challenging time period. So when I see clients and they, they're like, oh, you know, I'm going through this terrible time or I've got this terrible 12th house karma. Um, there's often, there's more to that story that there's, there's often something where you can see you know, as, as, as trite as it sounds, like you, you can see that it, it was all meant to be. Uh, and I think with Joni Mitchell's child, it's, it's super clear. The other story, and this is the one that really blew me away, is um, at one point she had a daughter that she had to give up for adoption. Mm. Um, interestingly, before her daughter's birth, she'd been losing her interest in songwriting. Um, and that once she'd had her daughter, and even with the difficulty of having to um, give her up for adoption, that kind of exploded again, her songwriting, this ability to, you know, put, put so much heart into her music. So again, you see this link between the fifth and the 12th. Um, so the fifth house, like I said, is also the house of children. And the 12th house is this place of isolation. So this idea of having to be separated from your child. So I hope that was as impressive as I thought it was when I saw it her is. chart, because, um, yeah, I thought that was amazing and just gave me a lot of um just more, more of an insight to the 12th house that it's it's not just this place where dreams go to die it, it, it's uh in the same way that these daimonic experiences aren't the most pleasant ones they have a they have a, there's a plot line there which is worth holding on to it is indeed yes and if somebody wants to work with you what does it entail well, ideally, so they know their birth date, their, which most people do, um, where they were born, and also their birth time. And that can often be the tricky one. But if you ask around um, or can get your birth certificate, we also need birth time, ideally. Uh, and then we sit down for an hour. I'm actually offering a discount on my readings throughout the month of April. I do this every month because I'm an Aries, born in April. So we celebrate <laughs> that. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, I've got a lot of people who do want to learn more about their diamonds. So that's something that we can focus on in one session or in anything like specific, like I want to know about relationships or what happened with this. Um, yeah. I like, no. I like the, the sharing of sun, moon and rising signs from people. <laughs> You've had quite a few. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. Well, as we start getting to start wrapping it up, we'll get to your questions for the audience. Uh, housekeeping, great shows next week. Uh, we'll have a show with, uh, speaking of Anthony Peak, uh, Sarah Janes, who's the producer or co-host for his podcast, will come on to discuss her book, Dream Mystery. So there's another avenue. We will have, uh, uh, of course, it has to be Aeon Bite. So we will have some Easter specials on Arconic Mind Controls and Egypt and Kundalini. I mean, what else do you want for Easter, right? Sex and Archons. It doesn't get better than that. Uh, after that, we've got uh, John Michael Greer. We'll uh, give us an amazing show on the Cathars and the Holy Grail, which will blow you away and a lot of good stuff. And uh, yes, of course, Think about the Virtual Alexandria Academy and Astronosis. Our conference in June is coming together. I will soon post the, the exclusive presentation by, from our guests, and you're going to love them. Uh, very exciting. From Mitch Horowitz to April DeConnick to James True to uh, Chris Knowles, it's going to be amazing speeches. Richard Smoley, too. And, of course, Recluse himself. So, uh, that's really it for uh, yeah housekeeping. Again, if you need voiceover work, uh, let me know. I am still going on that one and doing well at it. And yes, yeah, support always support Cat. Support this show. Support us independent mystics in our daemons because we the world needs uh, our voice more than ever. So yeah, enough of that housekeeping. Vance, any last questions or questions from the audience? Yeah, I'm uh, just typing something else. Uh, we do have a few. Um, do you do tarot? Yeah, a bit. It's, and I'd like to use it with astrology. I probably wouldn't just do a straight up tarot reading because I'm not like the tarot expert, but I definitely, it's really helpful to bring it into astrology for sure. So with our readings, we could definitely do that. Um, yeah, I, I just, yeah, I've got the tarot card in the background. So that's probably. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I cheat because uh, when I do any readings, I use the uh, uh, the Toast deck, which has all the astronomical oh, attributions on them. So I don't have to remember them all. There's so much to remember. It's on my wish list. Beautiful deck. Really oh, beautiful. yeah. I've got two of them, actually. A smaller one, a large one. Um, how about uh, automatic rhyming, uh, automatic writing and, and the diamond? Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, see, that's kind of my my go-to, uh, particularly at the moment, which is um, I will kind of like do it quite formally. I'll be like, dear Diamond, um, I'm, you know, I'm struggling with this thing or what's your take on it? And while it won't always have something to say, um, you know, I, I will just start writing. And it it's probably usually starts with kind of like my voice or sometimes it's all going to be my voice. But occasionally that's the Diamond seems to get through. Um, yeah, I think different people approach things differently but that that the writing approach has been my like go-to yeah great question great answer um okay uh, i'm gonna uh, take one from occult fan again because he's been a good guy today in the chat um he wanted to know uh, the relevance of uh, philip k dick's north node being on the pleiades at 90 degrees uh, 29 degrees taurus yeah i don't i don't really look at fixed stars very much in my work so if, I'm sure if you found a fixed star kind of astrologer, they would have more to say about that. Um, yeah, I mean, the North Node I'll, I'll look at, but I, I'm just trying to think about his chart and let's say, are there any planets that he's got conjunct that? Um, yeah, so sorry, I, I don't I don't look at the Pleiades myself, but that's an interesting thing to think about. Um, 
Okay. I did what one astrological thing that has been brought up by Bruno is um any work around the high leg and the alcoden, which I believe are um like Ar Arabic words for the technique that I briefly mentioned, which is that that um like finding the the strongest planet in the chart. And and those are like medieval um, Arabic approaches to finding that strongest planet, which are similar, just a little bit different to the ancient Greek ones, which I look at. So you could totally look at those. Um, and I have this thing on my website called the Diamond Name Calculator, and it uses, uh, it basically uses those. That might be something to, to check out. Okay, and uh, daylight savings time doesn't uh, do anything no. to charts, right? No, just, like, just like stupid daylight. Savings. I had the horrible <laughs> two-week gap between you guys and and the UK, and it always throws me off every year. Oh God, yeah. Yep. Gap. They really are trying to drive us insane. <laughs> Talk about chaos, right? <laughs> if somebody yeah. rolls a dice and picks what day daylight mm -hmm. savings time uh, switches. For uh, you talk about uh, automatic writing. I think what Lewis Carroll and I believe Mark Twain were into that too. So that. you're in good company. <laughs> Didn't know that's awesome. I've done automatic typing because I, I've typed so many years that I don't have to think about what letters I'm typing. I can think something and it comes out of my hands. So that's perfect mm -hmm. situation if you want to do automatic typing. You just put there and ask a question and let the words come out and you're not even thinking about them. It's very interesting, and reliable too. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. I am. Um, my handwriting has gotten so bad from typing so much that usually I can barely read what the, the diamond is saying. So that's one, one thing I, pr I could probably be more reliable with, with typing to be fair. Yeah. In the chat, Vance, he kept talking to somebody and doing OF. And I was like, Vance, why are you talking about only fans? And then it hit me. Oh, you're talking about a cult <laughs> fan. <laughs> For a while, I was like, Man. I'm just too lazy to type it all out. <laughs> and I try not to use people's real names if I know them in case they're, you know, wanting to only use right. their YouTube handle. So right, right. Don't <laughs> didn't mean to perplex you. <laughs> Esoteric. Wonderful. Well, if that's it, then we can. I think uh, so. Yeah, yeah. For the audience, uh, again, go to catroseastrology.com. Any other place you want to send the audience to? Um, no, but and, and I would say if you think of a question or we didn't get to something, just send me an email. You'll have it on my website. So do email. I'm always interested to hear what invite fans have to say because you're all such smart people. The proverbial contact form. Yes, <laughs> please get a hold of her. Yeah, she does a lot of good work. And, uh, yeah, her book is uh, – very good book to have in your library. You'll learn a lot about the daemon in all his aspects throughout history. It goes even further back to Babylon and talks about, again, all the different figures from a Jungian astrological. It's all just uh, good stuff, good stuff. Well, awesome. Well, audience, uh, enjoyed your company over there. You guys did great, great questions. Uh, Vance, uh, as always, thanks for uh, being here. In your Matt Damon aspect. Yes. I have to say. <laughs> My evil privilege. <laughs> now, diamonds aren't evil. Get that out of your head, people. Yeah, and we didn't get into an argument of diamond versus Damon, Kat. No. So, <laughs> <well>. <laughs> Even without myself saying Damon myself. I was, like, I was, yeah, I was we're, kind we're of making it up too. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, Kat, as always, it's great uh, having you on the show, and uh, good luck with everything you do, and I hope the, I have no doubt your Damon or Diamond will have more work for you. 
before it's all over. Thank you so much. Always appreciate it. And we still need to get you uh, uh, doing the, the voiceover for my for the audio book. Yes, yes. I'm gaming. Be, and we talked about it. If your diamond it. says uh, a male should do it, let's do it. Yeah. So, That'll strangers. be nice. <laughs> All right. Well, awesome. Well, everybody, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Audio version will be out tomorrow. Video version, as always, as soon as uh, we end this show. I will also put it on Rockfin and Odyssey and other places today so you can find it and listen to it at your leisure, however you want to li listen to it. So other than that, everybody, yeah, enjoy the rest of your day and have a great April Fool's, too. <laughs> One of my favorite days, too. So, in fact, yeah, I think tomorrow, April Fool's. That's, yeah. that's actually yeah. an anniversary. For me, it's going to be 11 years, my sobriety day. So, wow. <laughs> Sobered up on that day. So, good celebration. All right, everybody, take care. And as I always say, uh, write your own gospel, or live your own myth. Uh, we will talk sooner rather than later. And there you have it, you shining crazy diamonds. Cat and her daemon showing us the way to the stars and beyond, to our true selves. As mentioned in the intro, I'll provide part of our previous chat with Cat, where she covers the historical and theological origins of the daemon, from ancient Babylon to Greece to Arabia to much more. Please support this Red Pill Cafeteria for the bonus, or if you find any value in the content. It will cost you less than a buck per episode, and that's a deal of your many lifetimes. The alternative spirituality and philosophy of the Gnostics are more critical than ever in this Philip K. Dick world and Gnostic times. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being yourself, your true self, here in the desert of the real. Hello and goodbye as always.